Hey there, I'm Brittany, and welcome to the Cape Cod Church Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about Cape Cod Church, you can visit our website at capecodchurch.com. In the meantime, enjoy this message in our current series, The Story Project. But I want to take a moment and just look back over where we've been, because for seven weeks now, we've been in this series called The Story Project. And in The Story Project, we've been exploring this one idea— about the story of the world that we live in, the story of God, the world, and us. We've been exploring this one idea that God wants to give us a full life as a gift. That from the very beginning of time, stretching on towards eternity, this is what is all about. God wants to give this world, you and me, a full life as a gift. And each week since then, we have been unpacking what that full life looks like. What does it really look like to have a full life? What are these gifts that God offers to us? And how do we receive them? And we have explored so many different things in the last seven weeks. We've looked at a meaning and a purpose that no one can take away. We've looked at a peace that overcomes hurt and hate and gives us freedom from those things. We've looked at an enduring family, this gift from God that endures through divided times. We've looked at rest in a hurried world. And last week, we looked at a life of discovery, a life of discovery and authenticity that frees us from hypocrisy. All of these gifts that God simply wants to give us. And each week, we've been looking at personal stories from members of our church community who are just speaking to the ways that God has worked in their lives, the gifts that he's given them, and the full life that they have experienced through his Son and through his Spirit. And today, we have another topic. Today, we're going to talk about generosity. Because in a world that often seems characterized by the self— In a world that often seems to not have enough, where we're always scrambling to the top, scrambling for enough, in a world that is sometimes characterized by violence and selfishness, we want to explore, is it possible that we were meant for a different kind of life? Is it possible that a different kind of life exists for us? Because deep in each of us, there is this longing for something else for a world characterized by generosity and compassion. That's why we love spending time with generous people, don't we? We just love to hang out with generous people. There's something about that that is attractive to us. So this morning, before we dive into that in our message and through worship, we have one more story for you, one more personal story from a member of our community who I think beautifully typifies this life of generosity. Her name is Skyla. She is one of our high school students here at Cape Cod Church, and she wouldn't say this about herself, but I can tell you from personal experience, she is the kind of person that you just want to spend time with. So as you watch her story, I just want to prompt us to consider one thing. Pay attention to what Skyla has. Pay attention to what Skyla does not have as you kind of get a little bit of a window into how she looks at and postures herself toward this world. So sit back and enjoy this story from Skyla Rimple. 
My name is Skylar Rimple and I'm 17 years old. So I grew up in Mashby, I go to Mashby High School and my family is me, my mom, my dad and my older sister here. I like to do a lot of community service that's like super fun for me and then I like to play soccer and basketball and then going to the beach a lot, you know, being from the Cape, that's definitely a super fun thing and the loft too, I love the loft a lot. <laughs> Yeah, so I like to do a lot of things that are like project-led, so like I do pan mass over the summer which raises money for Dana-Farber and then I do drives, like clothing drives for Cradles to Crayons with some other people in my town and then I like to do, like for 9-11 just last week we did this drive where we collected items for veterans and um, active service members and then we made them, we made care packages last Saturday as a tribute so that was something fun and then Another big one that we do that I really like is this spin class fundraiser that we do down in the commons and then the money goes to fighting childhood hunger in our elementary schools, which I think is pretty cool. And so I also like to volunteer here at the church and like we do those little soccer and lacrosse camps. I mean, I don't play lacrosse, but I play soccer and we have fun with it. And I like to do a lot of stuff like that. I think that, you know, like my family doesn't have a ton of money, like I'll keep it kind of vague with that. And so I think that we recognize some things that we could have had. And so being able to serve and being able to help other families that were like mine. And then I would also say that like I just, my, a lot of my friends were doing it too. And so like this friend and community aspect, like my mom was involved in it and my sister was involved in it. So I kind of followed it and my dad too, but now it's really become like more of a me thing and like a big part of my identity. I'd say that my passion behind community service comes from the love that I have for other people and that I really try to foster and continue. You know, I, I really see the value in community building and you know, it's like they always say, like, if you want to make change somewhere, you kind of have to start by being that. And like, if you want to, like, if you want your team to be nicer, you have to be nicer. And I think that we can all recognize issues in our community that we would like to see changed. And so I think that if we want, like, that's what I recognize from a younger age is that there were changes that I experienced, there issues that I experienced that I knew that I could have a way of changing. And then as I got more into it and like got involved with more structured organizations, those were able to help train me so that I could do those more effectively rather than just have all these desires to make it better. Because I love it, I keep doing it, but it is faith-based in a way too, like understanding the value of each person because we understand like how much we are loved by God and so giving that love out to other people. But then at the same time, like it's just fun too. Like when everyone likes to feel good and when you help other people you feel good, but that's never been my motive behind it. You know, it's always been that it's a passion that I have to show love to other people and I believe that serving them is the most powerful way to do that. I've always loved other people and there's so many people that I know that, you know, you can love people without having a relationship with God, but having that relationship with God makes your love more powerful towards other people because, because it comes from a place that's unconditional but also like valuable and like you don't just look at them and love them because you should or you have to like you see everything that they are and I think that that has changed it because I believe that relationships are super powerful and that the relationships that we have shape who we are and so when you're just giving love and getting love that's super powerful and that comes from the love that God gave me that I want to give to other people.
I've enjoyed each week sort of listening to that um, as a reminder to set the stage for what it is we're trying to do uh, through this series. We're, we're offering a fresh perspective on this whole story of what God is doing in the world. We're, we're taking a step back from it and we're saying, what's this all about? What's God up to? And what we found is one big idea, that God wants to give you and me life, and life to the full as a gift. I keep saying it week after week after week because it's so simple that it's easy to miss. It's easy to to miss that this somehow adjusts the story. It, it moves the perspective and it allows us to see what God is doing in the world and why it matters so much. And we've been unpacking it week by week, talking about what that gift looks like in our lives. And this week, we get to talk about one of my favorite. It's easy. It's, it's easy. Um, well, it's not easy. It's easy to love. We get to talk about generosity. I don't know about you. I love being around generous people. I'm not talking about money, you know. I'm not talking about the one that, you know, always buys the coffee. I'm talking about generous people. I love being around generous people, and I bet you do too. You know why? They're safe. Here's what I mean. You see, God came to give us the gift of life. And what that does is it makes us a life-giving people. That's what it turns us into. The kind of people that give life and not take life. Do you know what I mean when I say take life? I don't mean murder. I mean, do you have somebody in your life that sucks the life out of you? I'm talking about somebody like when you know you're going to see them, you have to work up the energy for three days before you go see them, right? Because it's like, all right, man, this is going to, I'm going to have to give everything I have because they're going to take everything I have. I'm talking about the opposite kind of people that, man, they just breathe life into us every time we're around them. They're generous people. You see, the problem with the word generosity is as powerful as it is, it comes with a, a bit of baggage. As soon as I say generosity, people think, oh, here he goes. It's a message about money. Ah, let me put you at ease. It's not a message about money. In fact, money is a part of generosity. It's sort of like a, an indicator, the canary in the mine, right? It, it shows a little bit of the heart because it's such a part of how we live. 
But generosity is so much more. Generosity is a, a soft answer in a hard situation, right? It's kindness in the middle of conflict. It's a patient conversation. Have you ever had somebody just have a patient conversation with you when you needed it? You've experienced a bit of generosity. Generosity is not so much about amount as it is an attitude of the heart. I love being around generous people. In fact, it makes me want to be a generous person. And my guess is you want that too. But there's a problem with generosity. And that's where we should start. You see, the problem with generosity is scarcity. When we're afraid of what we won't have, it fights against our God-given desire to be generous. Scarcity is the enemy, the problem with generosity. In fact, that seems like what Paul is getting at here in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Here's what it says in verse 6. Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. If you're like me, you read that and you think, oh, who would do that? Who would plant only a few seeds? If you have 10 acres, why would you plant five acres? If you've got 10 pounds of seed, why would you only plant five pounds of seeds? What would cause you to do this? Well, it turns out if you're a farmer, you can do one of two things with your seeds, with your grains. You can either plant them or you can eat them. I mean, some of the seed is meant for you to eat. You grind it and you turn it into bread and you eat it. It's really good. And you set aside a little bit, but somewhere along the end of the winter, before planting season has come, your stocks are at their lowest point. And that seed that you've set aside, that you're about to plant in the ground, looks really good for eating. And you've got a decision to make. Because once you plant it, you can't eat it. I think we get that, right? So there's this tension around scarcity. And Paul is poking at it. He's saying, listen, you're afraid of what you won't have. And here's what happens in all of us. We face scarcity with scarcity. If I'm afraid I won't have, I keep what I have. I'm holding it back. Fight scarcity with scarcity. It happens all the time. It's why when I read this story the other day, it made me sort of smile, which said something bad about me. Maybe you read this story too. A, a Danish artist was uh, commissioned by an art museum. He's not famous, but he was commissioned by a Danish art museum to recreate a piece he had done somewhere else. He, he kind of does 
art that's a little bit of social commentary. And they said, hey, we really like this piece you did over here. Would you do it for us? And they agreed. And they were going to pay him a couple of thousand dollars to, to recreate it. And what he had done is he had created a painting. And it was kind of a commentary on uh, how much people were making and how much a life was worth. And he had taken and he took a, a year's worth of earnings in two different currencies and he put it on uh, on, on, a, on a large canvas. He literally glued the money to the canvas and they said, hey, would you do that again? And they agreed to pay him a couple of thousand dollars to recreate this piece. And he said, well, he did the math of what it would take to cover the canvas. And he says, that's about uh, about 83,000 US dollars uh, uh, to, uh, to, to do that. And so they said, all right, we'll, we'll send you the $83,000 that you can put on there and then we'll pay you this extra and you send it. So on the day that the, uh, the unveiling of the painting, they they brought it in and they're getting ready for this um, this art show and they're unboxing uh, this painting. It's unboxing day, right? And, the, and it's big. It's like from here to here. It's like a, a big wall-sized painting. And they open it up and it's this frame and this beautiful white canvas and it's empty. There's nothing. There's no money. And they're looking inside and <laughs> and they look and and it's got a, a, a name for the painting. And he named the painting, Take the Money and Run. <laughs> See, you're as sad as I am. There's something about it that's like, yes, yes, fight scarcity with scarcity, right? You know, stick it to them. You know, they only want to pay you that. Take from them, right? It's, and that, that's what we do. We, our, our natural inclination is take what you got to get. Strive to get ahead. Hold it back. Take care of number one. Fight scarcity with scarcity. And of course, the museum is fighting back. In fact, you can look this up online. The, the show must go on and the, uh, the, the painting is there. But they said, when the show's over, if you don't return our $83,000, we're going to sue you. And suing someone is another form of scarcity, right? Scarcity with scarcity with scarcity. And that's what we're used to. You know exactly how scarcity feels. You want to know how it feels? The next time you've got some place to be, leave 10 minutes late. Get in your car purposely 10 minutes late. You can feel it already. Now, some of you, you've never felt bad about being 10 minutes late for anything. This illustration will not work for you. I'm sorry, I can't, I can't help. But for the rest, leave 10 minutes late. And then as you're driving down the road and you see someone up ahead waiting to get into traffic, see how you feel. Oh, I would let you in, but I'm late. I, I, I would, but I, I'm, I, I'm... If I had more time... I would give you time, but time is scarce for me right now, and the scarcity of time is keeping me from being generous. See how it works? Scarcity is the enemy of generosity. Here's another one. I should write a book on the theology of traffic. <laughs> so here's another one. Next time you're driving, you don't even have to be late. And you're driving, and you see that person that's looking to get into traffic. You're on one of these major roads in you know, Cape Cod that are all, there's always somebody waiting to get in. And you let them in. Now, you slow down, you stop. 
and you let them in, and they don't immediately respond, start counting. This is how you're going to grade yourself. One second, one star. Two second, two star. Three second. You know what I'm talking about? Like about, that, about around the time you get to two seconds, you're like... Three seconds, it's two hands, right? Lights. Four seconds, horn. Five. Five. Five seconds is a long time. One. Two. Three. Are you still alive? Four. Originally, when I wrote this down, I thought of like doing it on a one to ten scale, and I, then I decided only Jesus would wait till ten. Nobody else. I don't know anybody else that could get all the way to ten, right? Because, because scarcity is like, God, I gotta, I, I gotta go. Like, listen, I was gonna be generous, but I'm only three seconds generous. I'm not five seconds generous. Good grief. I'm not, I'm not God. I mean, I can't. I mean, how much do you want me to give you, right? You can sense how, how, how scarcity fights against generosity. And that's why what's happening in this passage is, is, is Paul is introducing a third idea. He's saying, listen, there's a, there's a battle in your soul. Like God has given you the gift of life, and the gift of life comes with the fringe benefit of generosity, and it fights against, against scarcity. Scarcity is the fear of what you're not going to have. And generosity is the answer to it. In fact, I would, I would offer a good way to think of sacrifice is sacrifice is next-level generosity. So next-level generosity is not a fear of what I don't have. It's a fear of what I do have. Like, I currently don't have the ability. I don't have enough myself to give, but I've decided to to sacrifice, that's next level generosity, out of my need so that I can bless you. That's next level generosity, that's sacrifice. And where does this come from? And so Paul is introducing the idea of, of generosity and, and sacrifice, but he does it by bringing in a third idea. Let me, let me show you. If you jump down to verse 10, he says, for God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. Did you see the, the logical progression there? He says he provides seed and bread to eat. He didn't, he didn't run out of ideas when you, when you started to run out of seed. He provides seed and bread. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. You see what he's doing there? He's introducing this, this idea of, of scarcity and generosity, but he's managing it with abundance. He's saying, listen, you have a gift in your life. You have the gift of the presence of God in your life, and the gift of God in your life means that you have the gift of abundance, that you're not going to run out of the thing you're afraid of running out of. 
You're not going to, just because you haven't received the kindness in your life and you feel like you can't give out kindness and you, you haven't received the gift of forgiveness in your life and how in the world can you forgive someone when you feel like no one in your life has ever given you that gift? He's saying, listen, he gives to you in abundance. Whatever you feel like you have in scarcity, he gives to us in abundance. And that's what he's saying here. The gift of life is that your father gives you everything you need so that you can live generously. In fact, Jesus would point to this in this, in this verse in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 26. Jesus, in fact, if you just want to remember a little phrase, like, like here's a, I'm just going to memorize one thing. You can memorize this. Look at the birds. Like, look at the birds. Just next time, like next time scarcity starts gripping in your soul, look at the birds, he said, because they don't plant or harvest or store food in barns. For your heavenly Father feeds them. It's like they don't, yeah, you know, they don't have a refrigerator. They don't have a pantry. They don't have a four hundred one k. They're good. Your Father feeds them. And I know I read this, and I think, well, uh, they sort of feed themselves, but the Father's taking credit with it for it, and I'm not going to argue with him. Saying like, listen, this is this is my work, and he says, if you want to see uh, how your Father takes care of you, look at the look at the birds. And then he says this, he says, aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? He's introducing the truth of abundance. He's saying, listen, this, this fight in your soul between generosity and scarcity, here's the, the solution to it is, he's put this gift in your life, the gift of life, and the gift of life is the reality, the truth of abundance. Your father has got this. And whatever scarcity you're, you're, you're clinging to, he's saying you don't have to cling to it because your Father gives to you an abundance and it, it releases you to be, to be generous. If you look through the story of the Bible, just story after story after story, I mean, you, you, you'd, you'd almost never run out of places to turn to and, and stories to look to of, 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 of how his abundance meets us and sets us free to generosity. But, but there's a beautiful one you might not have thought of because it's a bit character. His name is Nicodemus. Now, you may be familiar with Nicodemus, but he doesn't show up. It's not like we have a lot of information about Nicodemus. But you remember, Nicodemus shows up right back in John chapter 3. We, we began this whole series in John chapter 3. Remember that? Verse 16, God so loved the world, he gave his only son so that whoever believes in him would of the gift of life. And we, we, we broke that down and what that looked at. Well, that verse takes place in the context of Jesus talking with Nicodemus. Remember this? Nicodemus is a, uh, he, he's a, he's a bigwig, a, a ruler. Uh, he's got a reputation to keep up. He's a religious leader and which are supposed to be the enemy of Jesus. But this guy sees something in Jesus and it says he comes to see Jesus and he's like, Rabbi, <laughs> you, I, you must be from God because nobody can do what you're doing except God be with them, which is a nice way of saying, I want in on that stuff. Like, 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 show me how to do that. And that's where Jesus famously says, unless you're born again, you won't even see the kingdom of God. And he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Time out. What are you talking about born again? I was born once. He says, well, you have to be born a second time, born into a new family. There's the enduring family thing we were talking about. See how it all links, right? So he says this. But remember, if you remember, there's a little detail. And in fact, this detail shows up every time Nicodemus shows up in Scripture. So it says, 
Nicodemus came to him at night. Remember that? In fact, thereafter, every time he was referred to, it was referred to as Nicodemus who came at night. Because he came at night so no one would see him. He had a reputation to protect. He couldn't be seen with the enemy. So he was like, he came when nobody was looking to protect his reputation because he wasn't willing to give it up. He was feeling the, the, the tug of scarcity in his life. And he's like, I'm not ready. In fact, he finishes the conversation with Jesus and he's like, we don't see him getting it. It's not like the story finishes and Nicodemus has a Damascus Road experience. It doesn't happen. In fact, Nicodemus, a few chapters later, appears for just a brief moment and he offers a word of defense for Jesus, but it goes away as quick as it showed up. And we don't see him again until John chapter 19, the crucifixion. Jesus has breathed his last on the cross. And his lifeless body is being taken down. Let me read it to you. In verse 38, it says afterwards, Joseph of Arimathea, who had been a secret disciple of Jesus because he feared the Jewish leaders, asked Pilate for permission to take down Jesus' body. When Pilate gave permission, Joseph came and took the body away. Joseph was having the same reaction that the thief on the cross had had and the centurion who said, surely this was the son of God. Joseph now realized, like this one, and, and, and he goes public. But it's what's it's what said next that's sort of interesting. Verse 39, it says, With him came Nicodemus. <laughs> Notice what it says next? The man who had come to Jesus at night. It's like, we're not going to let you forget that. The first time you came, you were a big chicken. Like, but, but, but like now, like, and, and now the disciples are gone. They've run. They've all run. But something had happened between John chapter 3 and John chapter 19. Something had happened in the crucifixion and he was changed. It says, With him came Nicodemus, the man who had come to Jesus at night, and he brought about 75 pounds of perfumed ointment made from myrrh and aloes. Following Jewish burial custom, they wrapped Jesus' body with the spices in long sheets of linen and so th this isn't, uh, isn't completely familiar with us, but the, the burial uh, process in ancient Israel looked like this. Normally, a tomb was not a, a hole in the ground. It was, it was typically a, a, a cave, or they, they would literally just go in and they would carve out a section of rock to make a little bit of a grotto, just an opening, and then they would, they would carve a shelf in it. And what they would do is they would take the body and they would lay it there, and they would roll a stone over it so grave robbers couldn't come in. But because it was so hard to create, they would reuse 
use these. So they would take and they would put the body in there and they would wait for about a year for the body to decay and then they would take the bones and they put it what was called a bone box or an ossuary. And we find these all over Israel today. I mean, you can find them over the ancient Middle East, uh, a common common practice. But what that meant was that occasionally that that tomb, that, that rock cave would be reused. So they would take the body and they would wrap it in cloth and they would put spices in it to keep it from stinking in case somebody else had to come in. That was part of this process, part of the respect. But here's the story. Nicodemus shows up and he's carrying 75 pounds. Have you ever lifted 75 pounds? is a lot. It's a lot. In fact, we know that, that this amount of, of, of burial spices was, a, was a, a, a burial for a king. It wasn't just a burial for an average man. It was a burial for a king. And, and Nicodemus is, and we know this, listen, because a week before, you remember the story how just a week before at Passover, Mary came in and she anointed Jesus' feet, remember? And she washed his hair. And everybody was offended. Remember how offended they were? They were like, oh, I can't believe that this waste of money, all of this, this was is worth so much. This is worth like a year's worth of income for an average person and you waste it. And they said it could have been given to the poor. And she had brought one pound. One pound. And Nicodemus says, watch what I do. Nicodemus, who's seen Jesus now and has encountered him and everything about Jesus has suddenly come true and has gripped his heart and all of the scarcity and fear has left him and he shows up at the tomb dragging 75 pounds of spices and perfume in this extravagant display of affection for his Lord, this incredible generosity. Because he had met Jesus. You see, it turns out when it comes to generosity, it's who you have, not what you have. We all think if I had more time, if I had more strength, if I had more ability, I'd be generous. But it turns out that that's not the key. The key is who you have more than what you have. And Nicodemus had Jesus. The, the reality of Jesus had become so real in his life. He, he was changed by it. You see, that's what happens when you, when you encounter Jesus, when you're around him. He, it, it's like he, he gives you a generosity that's, that, 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 that chases away scarcity. In fact... Sometimes, some of you have found this. God will use scarcity in your life to teach you generosity. Like, he'll just... He'll, he'll, He'll take that season of scarcity where, where we feel like we don't have whatever it is we need to have and, and, and he'll use that season to teach us about his faithfulness. And in that season of scarcity, we, we, we encounter him all over again and we discover he's faithful. His gift is faithful. Everything I needed, he took care of. 
and his gift, the truth of abundance in our life, the gift of life, it unleashes in us an, an unusual generosity. If you remember back a year and a half ago at the beginning of, uh, of COVID, back when we were closing, you remember for two weeks we're going to close down and that'll fix everything. <laughs> oh, were we in for a surprise. We came out of that and we just realized, man, the impact. And we said something back then that really is where we got the title of this from. It says, we're going we're gonna to lean into scarcity with generosity. I've watched this in the lives of people in our church for years now. How the the impact of the gift of life in them has created in them an unusual generosity in every way. It's unleashed generosity of spirit, of, of, of speech, of forgiveness, of resource and treasure. It's just, it, it's made them an unusually generous person. And we want to model that as a church. And we, we said at the beginning of this, we're just going to, here's what we're going to do. We're not going to give up giving to others. In fact, we're going to lean into this by giving because we know that during this season, people are going to be struggling more than ever. And we're going to look for ways, even when we're unsure of what's happening at home, we're going to make sure that we're leaning into scarcity with generosity. And, and over and over and over again, as a church, We've been overwhelmed at what God's allowed us to do and what he's done through, the, through us. In fact, our, 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 our opportunity to give has grown over the last years in ways we've never seen it grow before. Because we're discovering a bit of what it looks like to live in his presence and to recognize the truth of his abundance that we never run out. Whatever it is you're afraid of being scarce of. He's, he's got it and he's got you and we can live in this truth of abundance. Next month, November, begins what we call our season of generosity. We do this every year where we just step into it and it's one of my favorite seasons because we get to like celebrate all that God is doing in and through us. We get to tell stories and we get to, through our, our, our missions and our partners across the street and around the globe, we just get to unpack those stories. And, and you're going to hear that. You're going to hear, and you're going to hear about four new projects that we're partnering in here on the Cape and around the globe. And there are things that you can give to. There are things that you can go and be a part of. You can pick up a hammer. You can take a trip. You can be a tangible part of being that generous gift in another person's life because we we believe that the way you respond to scarcity is with generosity. And, and, and when we do, God always reveals the truth of his abundance. In fact, Britt mentioned it earlier, but in the chair in front of you, we've got a, a, a folder. I'm going to talk about this at the end of the service, about how you can be a part of, of generously serving others. And before we leave today, we'll give you a chance to look at that. And maybe that's, that's a next step for you. Like, how can I be a part? How can I use my time? How can I use my, my, my gifts or my passions to be a part of what God is doing through his church? But, but before we end, I, I, I want to I say this, because... It's, it's possible that someone's here and you, you've just been setting back from Jesus, just like, I'm not, I'm not sure. 
I'm not sure I'm ready to give my life to him. Like, what does that mean? What will he want from me? See, we've been doing this every week, and every week in this series, someone, in fact, more than one every week, has taken that step of faith and embraced Christ as Savior. But I recognize it often comes at a hurdle, at a jump, at a wrestling and maybe you're wrestling with what is God going to take from me. And, and I hope what you've heard this morning is that this is a generous God who wants to give you the gift of life. That's it. He wants to give you the gift of life. What Jesus said, life and life to the full. He, he, didn't, he didn't come to, to, to sort of somehow rob you of of, of freedom and rob you of a future and take away all of your fun. He, he's come to give you the gift of life and life to the full. And sometimes it just means stepping back and seeing that this, this God is a, a generous God who gave the gift of his Son Jesus Christ so that I could have life and life to the full. And the greatest expression of sacrifice and generosity in all of history, Jesus Christ goes to the cross for us so that we could have the gift of life to the full. Would you bow with me? Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. That's just a simple way of blocking out what's around me and what's to come. And the distractions that are a part of life. Maybe you need these moments to wrestle with these ideas of scarcity and generosity and abundance I don't know what that looks like in your life but I know if you're like me you not only like being around generous people you want to be one too So I'd invite you just in the quiet of the moment just to sit there with those three words. Scarcity, generosity, and abundance. And ask God what he's saying to you. Maybe you're sitting there or you're watching online and you're thinking, Ben, I'm ready. I'm ready to give my life to Christ, to invite him in, to accept his gift, life, to the full. If that's you, I'm going to lead you in a prayer, but I don't think there's any magic words 
In fact, I would invite you to put it into your own words. It's the prayer of faith that God listens for. You might pray something like this, Dear God, I believe you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die for me as a gift, the forgiveness of sins. Jesus, I invite you into my life I trust you as my Savior. Help me now to live my life fully for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in to this message from our current series, The Story Project. If this is your first time listening, we'd love to meet you in person. We have services every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. in East Falmouth, Massachusetts. Or join us for our live stream services on YouTube at the same time. If you enjoyed the Cape Cod Church podcast, we hope you'll consider leaving us a review so that other people can discover us too. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook or Instagram. Thanks again for tuning in, and I'll see you on the next episode.